Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Seth, how are you today? I'm doing well. Yeah. I've just been thinking about Antichrist so much. <laughs> Me too. That it's just been, it's one of those topics where it feels like the more you study it, the more you feel it. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like the more you study just about death, the sadder oh, you feel. Like yes. the more you study about Antichrist, the more like you feel anti- embattled. Oh, okay. <laughs> like Christ and anti, they're just embattled. Yeah, no, but that's true. I'm yeah. doing well and as you can probably tell, audience, our episode is about Antichrist. Antichrists, yeah. Th- which, which John, First John and Second John, mm-hmm. are the only places in the Bible that you can find the word Antichrist. That's exactly right. Which is, I'm like, I know this and I've studied this, but it almost seems like wrong because it's such a big deal. Yes, in the Christian sh- psyche, huge deal. That it's like it can't just be in these two small letters. Yeah, I don't think I preached through First John. I think four years ago, mm-hmm. and leading up to that sermon series, I always assumed Antichrist was like everywhere right. throughout the Bible. Surely Daniel mentioned it, and it's in Revelation. And I bet right. Paul talked about it. Maybe Jesus mentioned it. Nobody does except here in the book of First John yeah, by the name Second Antichrist, John, by the name phrasing Antichrist, right? Um, and so that's significant for a couple of reasons, but mm. really like the point of this podcast isn't to talk about antichrist, although we will talk about them a lot. We will. The point of what John is getting at is preaching good news to a community like overwhelmed by antichrist mm-hmm. and antichrist like teaching. Yeah. And to situate them in Christ. Yes. We were praying just before we came on air and I just thought it was so good that you prayed like, all right, God, we've been thinking a lot about antichrist. But the point of all this study is not to think about Antichrist, but to think about Christ. Yes. <laughs> and so that's hopefully where we get today is yes. to that in studying Antichrist, we actually fall more in love with Christ. Yes. Okay. So the question then oh, we have to yes. answer is like, what is a Christ? Oh, yes. So like before we know what an Antichrist is, what is a Christ, which is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah? Yes. What is a Christ? What is a Messiah? Yeah. So yeah, like you said, Christ comes from the Greek Christos, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. Um, and so a Messiah uh, means anointed one or promised one, or uh, there's several different translations, yeah. but like, um, and there are several Messiahs in the Old Testament okay. and we meet them and they are people who are anointed, set apart, endowed by God to bring about the rescue or the salvation of Israel. Okay. Yep. I know that from like studying the book of Judges, studying Samuel, like the Kings, David was anointed. Mm-hmm. So like anybody that was anointed, like with oil, would that have been like automatically a Messiah or because like the anointed one right. or an anointed one, is that right. like a Messiah type figure? Should we be making those connections between anointing with oil and leadership automatically as a mess- messianic? Like- oh, that's a good question, actually. I don't know. I- I'd have to look up. I think whenever, like, 
does David, whenever he talks about Saul being God's anointed, mm-hmm. do, is that the word God's Messiah? Oh, that would be because super then it's like he was a false Messiah, not in the sense that God didn't choose him initially, but that he failed. He failed. He was a failed Messiah. Oh yeah. Okay, right here. So First Samuel, uh, I just did a word search for anointed in First Samuel, and almost every single time the words mentioned. Uh, it's like when Saul was anointed, he was messiahed. Okay, so it's a verb too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like he, Googling. I shall messiah him to be prince over my people. Okay. Uh, or when David said, I shall not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed, against the Lord's messiah. So yes, even Saul was called a messiah. And that's because he rescued Israel from their enemies, yeah. rescued them from people who were trying to attack them. Yeah, the anointing of, of Israel's king is God's selection, his divine selection of an individual out of mm-hmm. his people uh, to lead his people. So it's, okay. a, it's a selection of God to rise up an individual to lead his people. And, and he did that to Saul. That's exactly right. And uh, the reason why I want to lean into the battle metaphor, because we're going to talk about false prophets, spirits, testing spirits in a second. But like there is like a military element to that, like a going out and a conquering element of that. There's mm. people that are coming against God's people, like we have antichrists here coming against God's people. Right. That the true Christ, the true Messiah, is supposed to push back mm. in order to provide for God's people. Yeah. Okay. That's what a Messiah is. A Messiah is someone who protects, leads, is anointed by God to protect, lead, and conquer on behalf of God's people. And since John, in his letter, particularly uses, and will use here in a little bit, the term anointing to talk about us as Christians, Mm -hmm. let's try as best we can to refer to Jesus as the anointed one. Yes, yes, yes. And maybe Antichrist as the anti-anointed ones or something like that, just to try to clear up, because like, we're just transliterating the Greek language when we say antichrist because it's antichristos. So it's not even tr- a translated word. Uh, it's just right. transliterated. Like right. so in our English letters, it would be antichrist, but it doesn't have any meaning. Right. You know, so it's, it's not a trans- translated It's those word. against the anointed one or yes. anti the anointed yeah. one. Yeah. So let's try that. Okay. okay. Great. So we've just set up like, what is a Christ? Uh-huh. What is an anointed one? What is an anointed one? Yep. We know what that is. In the modern imagination, mm-hmm. an antichrist. Oh, yeah is a, at least maybe in modern imagination is too strong of a word, but in many like traditions within Christianity, my own included, the mm-hmm. Antichrist was a figure coming at the end of time. Right. This was Nikolai Carpathia. If in, you ever read the Left if, Behind if series. If you ever read the Left Behind <laughs> series. Or like, I mean, I heard George Bush was the Antichrist. I heard Obama yeah. was the Antichrist. I right. heard Saddam Hussein was the Antichrist. Right. Some normally political figure who exercised world power and to oppress Christians or other, or mm-hmm. the poor or somebody. That's kind of like the way I've understood it. Right. Until I really read First John, mm. and it kind of challenged me uh, a good deal. So I don't know if you want to say anything more about like the way that we misunderstand. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've I think Christians throughout church history have always looked for an antichrist. Maybe not always would be an overstatement. For a long time, Tertullian did it. One of the early church fathers, uh, famously Martin Luther, uh, during the Reformation, he taught widely that the Pope during the corrupt papacy was the Antichrist. Uh, Even so much so that in the 17th century version of the Westminster Confession, the Pope is the Antichrist was actually put in the confession. It's not there anymore, obviously. It's been revised out. But it was a widespread idea in Reformed Christendom. And there is a certain sense in that when you have people in power teaching contrary to the message of the true Messiah, Mm -hmm. Um, and have political power to back that up. It makes sense you want to label them something that's 
the opposite of what you are. Right. You know, like, yes. But I think it's strange that John's not talking about politics. John, it's true. John's not talking about some strong figure, right? This uh-huh. is, we're bringing in other texts and putting them on top of the, the term antichrist yes. in order to create kind of an amalgamation of this political figure at the end of That's time. That's probably the most important thing you guys need to take away from as you start to think about the word antichrist is to like cut away the parts of your mind that want to equate the antichrist with the beast of Revelation 13 or cut away antichrist, at least temporarily from the man of lawlessness in First Thessalonians. Like, again, as we said in the beginning, like First John is the only place that antichrists are used or mentioned in the whole Bible, and we've already been given several categories to think about these antichrists within First John, and they seem to be people from within the church, not outside mm. the church. Let me, I, I, I was like, whoa, careful, Seth, for a second, but I agree with you, but let me say it a different way okay. that might be helpful maybe to another group of listeners. Yep. Um, it's not like cut those ideas off, like the, the antichrist can't be the beast or the antichrist uh-huh. can't be the man of lawlessness. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is first seek to identify what the, who the antichrist is in John. That's right. Let John give you all the information that you need to understand who he is talking about mm-hmm. before you start letting uh, Paul or uh, Peter talk about who this person is. That's right. Uh, because you have to then do a whole bunch of other uh, work, of other work, of <laughs> yeah. good biblical interpretive uh, interpretive work to make those connections, mm-hmm. and, and that's good work. Uh, yes. But first, and what we want to seek to do here um, is say what what was what was in John's mind, and, and hopefully the minds of his readers uh-huh. when they heard Antichristos, the, the the one against or in place of the Lord's anointed. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we got that. In our, in our systems. Yes. That's what a Christ is. Yes. An anti-anointed one is an antichrist. Yeah, we should talk about, we, we know what an anointed is, but what is an anti-anointed? Yeah. Yeah, is it against, is it is it someone who is against the Lord's anointed one? Is it, you know, like, so, so you have to like, who is the one being attacked here? Is it Christ himself, the anointed one himself? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a sense was like Saul an antichrist to David, <laughs> you know, like they were at odds with each other mm-hmm. as two anointed ones in a sense. Well, it's a good question. So John kind of answered that question for us in his own context. Great. So in verse, um, well, 19 is the first clue we get who, who are these anti-anointed ones? Mm-hmm. They went out from us. And so I think us here is reference to the apostles. Mm-hmm. So like in the beginning, they talked about, we have seen him. We've touched and seen the Messiah. We've touched the, the anointed one. We know yes. who he is. So these false messiahs, these, fa- these anti-messiahs, these anti-anointed ones went out from the apostles, but they were not from us. So mm-hmm. that could mean like maybe geographically they were situated in Jerusalem for a period of time. And then they went out and traveled and did all this ministry that was anti the teaching oh, of the apostles, sure. which would make sense in Second John, where he talks about don't accept these itinerant missionaries into uh, your home yeah. who are teaching contrary to uh-huh. to what we taught. So it could be geographical. It could also be like doctrinal fellowship, like they were a part of our church and now they're not. Yep. <laughs> it could be. It could also even be more broad than just the apostles, just uh-huh. like. They were part of us as believers in the Messiah, right? And they went out from us. But anyway, they if the for if they had been of us, is the next section, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be complained that they are not of us, right? So the first criterion, according to John, of what an antichrist is, is somebody who used to hold to the apostles' teaching mm-hmm. and has left the apostles' teaching, right? Uh, now, 
before we unpack that a little bit more, uh-huh. we've just assumed something really huge. Okay. Which is they? I thought we were talking about the Antichrist. Oh, yeah. And we went from the Antichrist to those Antichrists really quickly. Okay, you're right. We which did is do that. important. So, so verse 18 yep. is children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Okay? Yep. So he's saying that, okay, so out here, and we're going to, we're going to let, John's ambiguity for a second just kind of live live here so John says it's the last hour you know this is a common idea in Jesus's view of time and in, therefore in the apostles view of time mm-hmm. that we are in the last age mm-hmm. that um, the next big thing in redemptive history is Jesus coming back that's right the next big thing yeah, is Jesus coming back um, and these are the last days and since it's the last days, one of those markers of the last days that Jesus talked about, that uh, Paul talks about, that that Peter talks about, is um, there is, uh, at least here, there's an antichrist mm-hmm. that's going to come. He is coming. There is a figure of disobedience yes. that's coming. Right. As we said before, John's the only one who calls an antichrist. That's right. Paul has a man of lawlessness, and Jesus, Jesus says, yeah, the abomination of desolation. desolation yeah. There is a central figure, right? Yes. and they and these might be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, people disagree about mm-hmm. whether the Antichrist is the man of lawlessness. Um, that doesn't matter right now. What right. matters is that he's saying, like, you guys have in your imagination about the view of the world that this is the last time that we're waiting on the return of Jesus in some cataclysmic redemptive event. We're waiting on that, and you know that leading up to that means that the Antichrist is coming. Let's put that aside. He's like, more importantly... Many Antichrists have come. Right, and they're in your midst already. Do you think that means that these these disciples of John, this community of disciples, believed, like, were kind of, like, maybe obsessed with the idea of, like, a big figure coming at the end of time, so much so that they were neglecting the fact that John's concern was like there was a whole bunch of like deception going on in their church that they weren't acknowledging mm. because they were too focused on the big one at the end of time. Man, definitely. Like that is, that's definitely what we call like reading behind the text, mm-hmm. right? We're trying to get at what could have been going on in John's congregation. Uh, but that's why else bring it up? If, cause he's not, he doesn't go on to talk about, it. he makes no big deal at all about the antichrist. Yeah. Instead, he doubles down on these mini antichrists. And so a, a plausible situation is that either, one, they were overly obsessed with it, or two, it just loomed large right. in the first century church's the imagination. The way it does in most of like... Totally. I mean, me as a teenager, I was all bought in on the antichrist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was like that was a big deal it for was, me. It was, yeah. yeah. And so to, to kind of turn that energy and um, anticipation on its head... You know, and like it has all this yeah, yeah, yeah. weight and they're trying to figure out who these false teachers are, who these secessionists are who left their church and are now teaching false things. They're like, I don't know. Are they like still kind of Christians or Christian lights or are they a new age teacher or are they apostates? And he's, they don't know what category to put them in. Uh-huh. And John's like, let me make it simple for you. They're antichrists. Hmm, they're anti-anointed ones. They are anti-anointed ones. Okay. And okay. And so that- there's lots of them. There's lots, and so that's that's probably the biggest brain shift for most of people. Definitely, as you read through, I mean, John says it clearly. Many antichrists have come, 
And he talks about them as historical figures within his own lifetime. They went out from us. Right. We were in Jerusalem with the other apostles and they left us. Mm-hmm. They're real people that existed in a particular time. Right. And the, and the, the, the mind shift here uh, is, is not necessarily uh, not one, but many antichrists. Yes. Uh, but rather, maybe better put would be still one and many. Mm-hmm. would be a better because he doesn't say there's not one coming there's many already yes he says there is one coming but there are many already yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. exclude one for the sake of the many and but but he then doesn't focus on the one yeah. he focuses on the many whoever the antichrist uh-huh. is is it, really of no concern to john right now he's more concerned with like the small a antichrist yes. that are like plaguing his community of yes. believers who are doubting overwhelmed and suffering right. under the persecution and hatred that yeah. these anti-anointed ones are doing. Yeah, and then he also doesn't pull any punches in calling. There is no lowercase a antichrist. That's you know, right. I, I, I love that designation because it's helpful. Right. But it's like they're still antichrist. Whatever you, if you think the yeah the, the big beast that's coming at the end time that's capital A antichrist. These are just these, these are, are just as bad. These are just as bad. Which is like. Exactly John's point is he wants them to know that these false teachers are bad business. Like it's it's just not good is his whole point in probably looping in such a huge cataclysmic figure. And again, what's unique about that is I think in my imagination, I think many people's imagination, the Antichrist, big A, mm-hmm. is something outside of the church, some big governmental organization yes. or a powerful politician or just anybody in power. Mm-hmm. But he t- so no, no, they went out from us. Right. They were part of the church. They were part of the church. They were part of the apostolic community for a period of time. And now they are no longer. Right. And so it's like, that's, that feels significant too. It's like, it's not one, it's many, it's not end of time. It's now. And it's not out there. It's inside our yeah. own church. Right. And that what feels kind of like insidious and dangerous or even just like, Category breaking. Totally. Well, it, but it fits another category in at least the epistles, and even Jesus would talk about this a little bit, was the idea of false teachers being among you, right? Like, there are these wolves in sheep clothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, like, Paul warned about this. Clearly, it's completely devastated the Johannine community. Yeah. And so, like, it's actually a really big deal. And I'm guessing you're flipping over to chapter four. Yeah. So this this podcast kind of uniquely is going to bridge First John two and First John four because we have here again more references to these false teachers, these anti-anointed ones. But here he calls them false prophets, and he says this in four one, beloved, do not believe every evil spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, Mm. which is exactly what he's about to say is marks the the teaching of the anti-anointed ones. So in John's view, the antichrists are people that were within the apostolic community, have left the apostolic community and are teaching people that from within the church that Jesus Is is not the anointed one is not the anointed one, right? Which feels really narrow. Oh yeah. Really narrow. Yeah, usually when I think Antichrist, it's like, I don't know, maybe he'll sit on a giant gold throne or maybe he'll fly a rocket ship. You know, like, right, yeah. I, have no, <laughs> yes. I have no idea, you know, uh, whenever I let my adolescent 
mind run with the idea. Yeah, he, here he says it again, and verse four, verse three. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Mm-hmm. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world right. already. Yeah. So he's saying like he's conflating false prophets mm-hmm. and Antichrist together. Yes. They're one and the same figure in right. John's mind. So since we've breached this topic, let's go. Let's also go back to to chapter two, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, go ahead and read in chapter two. Um, the mark of the Antichrist, of an of a non an, yeah. an anti-anointed one. <laughs> uh, verse 22, who is the liar, mm-hmm. but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the fa- Son has the Father, but whoever confesses the Son has the Son also. Mm-hmm. So the message of the anti-anointed ones is that Jesus is not the anointed one. Mm-hmm. That's the message of them. Right. Yeah, and so like let's camp there for a second. Mm-hmm. Is like we've talked a lot in in this series so far about what was the false teachers, you know, message? Was it that they that oh you actually haven't sinned, you know, and like there's other ways to mm-hmm. ease your conscience and yep. we're actually sinless perfective people and you know it's like but at the heart the the sin, the 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 wrongness of their message was that they denied that Jesus was the Son of God, the Anointed One. Yeah, and two, four two, he says that Jesus came in the flesh. Oh yes, is from God. Mm. So it's not just that Jesus was the Messiah, but that he came in the flesh, which is actually probably pretty connected ideas. You can't be anointed with oil in mm. the Old Testament Samuel sense without being on the earth. Right. You can't be a, a, a king. You can't be an anointed one right. without being able to be anointed. Right. So like there was a, and Jesus was anointed. He was. Yeah. Not baptism. by oil, but in water and by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you have to affirm that mm. Jesus came in the flesh from God in order to avoid the charge of being an anti-anointed one. Right. And so then it begs, it begs the question too, in what way were the false teachers anti the anointed one? Not only that maybe they were denying that he came in the flesh, obviously that's true, but anti in the Greek, anti is like a a prefix here. um, And it can mean not only opposed to or opposite, it can also mean in place of or alongside. Okay. And so maybe, and so it's all going to boil down to the same thing, but it's like they were offering um, a path like of anointing or a pat, like they were uh-huh. offering a different type of salvation Yep. alongside or instead of in place of Jesus. Yes. They were offering an anti anointing, a different, like, a anointing. different anointed one. Yeah. And maybe it was themselves. Maybe it was their teaching. Maybe it was some system of rules. And you know, it's like another religion. And it reminds me of like what Paul said in Galatians that like, if an, even an angel comes down and preaches a different gospel, let them be anathema. Yeah. You know? I think the and I think it's also interesting that both here in chapter two and again in chapter four, surrounding those two things is conversations about love. Mm. So it also makes me think that there's a certain like lovelessness to the teaching of the Antichrist or a lovelessness in their behavior mm. that marks them as outside of the anointed one's community. Yeah, the anointed one. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, take. take I mean, what is the preeminent act of love in First John? Jesus dying for yes. sins. Without that, anything else is loveless. Mm. You know, like that—that that is the ultimate mark of love. 
is Jesus, the God of the universe, becoming flesh as the anointed one and dying for our sins as our propitiation, like we talked about right. you know, earlier. And it's like anything else compared to that is loveless, is hate. Or any other type of love, motiva- mo- love motivated by something other than the right. self-sacrificial love of Jesus yes. fails to be truly loving. Right. So it's just like that is an anti-Christ type of love, mm-hmm. is a love that's unmotivated by Jesus' love for us first. Because it might be legalistic, it might be self-seeking, it might be lustful, it might be, you know, it might be all kinds of things, but it's not the anointed one's love. So we've said a couple different things. What does it mean to be anti the anointed one? Mm -hmm. So one, it means to deny that the anointed one is Jesus, is Jesus, and that he came in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Another thing is to be, to preach a different gospel other than Jesus coming in the flesh. To try to replace the gospel. We've noticed that in the context, there seems to be a lack of lovelessness, but here's something also interesting. Mm. Uh, verse four, little children, at four, four, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And he's referring to the antichrists, mm-hmm. the, the anti-anointed ones. And what's interesting about that, it's, it's almost a direct quote of John's gospel, chapter 16, where Jesus is talking to his disciples one of whom was the author of this letter, mm. I believe, at least. I think right. it, I think John the Apostle Same. wrote this letter. So Jesus at one point told John that he should expect persecution, mm-hmm. that there would be religious leaders, there would be kings, there would be authorities that would persecute him for following his message. And right. re- let me just read to you the way that it reads in um, John 16. It says, I've told you all this stuff about the people who persecute you so that you wouldn't pass it away that you would not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. Mm. They will do such things because they've not known the Father or me, which is just what he said. These people do not know the Father or the Son. That's right. I've told you this so when the time comes, you'll remember that I warned you about them, but I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world, you have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Mm. And he says, you've overcome the world. He's linking so to like, this. So like, I think John, even as like one of the disciples of Jesus is noticing the increasing persecution about people who deny the message of Jesus against himself and his community. And he's saying, mm. do you know what Jesus told me mm-hmm. when he, he was talking to me about this stuff? Take heart. Right. You've overcome the world. Yeah. So part of the, what it means to be an anti-Christ is to be anti the anointed ones of God, the followers of the Christ. Absolutely. Is what, is what I'm trying to say. Yes, absolutely. So. And that's that's confirmed by the fact that in the next chapter, like John like identifies the believers, his little children, as those who have been anointed, not by the devil, which is animating the world, mm-hmm. but by the Holy Spirit. They yeah. are Christ's. They have been now, christened. Please, yeah. no one, I don't want any angry letters. I'm not saying that we are Jesus or Messiah in that way. Okay, please. But we have been but he, Messiahed by the Messiah. We've been Messiahed by the Messiah. We've been yeah. anointed by the anointed one. We are co-heirs. We are brothers of, of Jesus and sons of God. Like, So we're getting to the good news. This yes. is the good news of this passage. Because we said at the beginning, this passage isn't ultimately about Antichrist. <laughs> right. It's about the good news in a world of Antichrists. Right. So but let me ask a qu- this question. Yeah. Why is a world of Antichrists so alarming? Oh, yeah. Like, why is that bad news? Because I think sometimes it's like, well, they just believe differently than I do. Mm. It doesn't feel threatening all the time. 
And sometimes I'm also tempted to see people, people are attacking our religious liberty. People mm. are attacking our freedom of speech. Therefore, Barack Obama is the Antichrist. <laughs> and I'm like, I think you're doing some good biblical work there and saying that, okay, people who oppose the message of Jesus um, are Antichrists. Mm. And there's a threatening, persecuting quality towards them. How do, like, what is, and I don't want to, like, mm -hmm. get into who is, like, right, I, yes. We've already talked about that. What I want to say is, like, what is it, why is it bad news that we're in a world of Antichrist? What does it feel like? Why do we need to overcome? Obviously, Jesus, people are being thrown out of their synagogues, which mm -hmm. would have been their places of worship, which would have been where their families went to, to synagogue, you know, like. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, it, it would be probably the same answer I would give to what, why is it bad news to live in a world without the gospel? Because what's left for us, right? We just have our oppressor, Satan. Like we just have everything that's not Jesus. We only have bad news. Like we only yeah. have things that stand against us, want to hold us down. Like in the pivotal points throughout Israel's history, like they had a lot of bad news, you know, like you think about the time of the judges and everything was chaotic. You think about, um, multiple times in the Kings when they were worshiping false idols and there was drought or all kinds of stuff. Right. And then God would raise up a Messiah and it was good news that there was a Messiah because he would bring them out of that darkness. And so the reason why it's bad news to be in a world filled with anti anointed ones is because they are stifling and trying to suppress and keep us from mm -hmm. our own, our anointed one, our Messiah, our Jesus. Like, And that can both look like authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Like it can look like some form of government, like oppressing us. But I think probably the way we, at least in the West, in America, where freedom of religion is a thing and our Supreme Court is affirming freedom of religion wherever it can, it probably doesn't, it's not in like oppression in that sense, but it's in people that we trust admire, respect, and are smarter than us telling us that Jesus isn't real. Yeah, I would say even like a, like to be really Johannine here, uh -huh. to be like John, we need to look, the first place we must look for Antichrist is within our own church walls. Yes, or people who used to be in right. our church That's walls. Right. So, and I mean, I, I don't want to name like ex-evangelicals as an enemy, right? but there is something to be said about a movement that defines itself by walking away from the teachings of the the, the historical church. The historical church. Sometimes it's like, no, I'm 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 walking away from the impoverished church, the church that's not true to that's the apostolic church. Right. Or this really harmful church where you've been abused or berated or belittled. Like right. we want to see you if you're in that camp. Right. Yes. So, well we're not we're not talking to that crowd. What we're talking about is a group of people who are willing to leave the apostolic church and then willing to teach others and say that Jesus is not the Christ. Mm -hmm. He is not necessary for salvation to conquer your enemies. Something other than that right. is... There's some other path. There's, there's some other there's path. There's some other path of self-actualization or of free sex or of psychological awareness or of the common good, quote-unquote. You know, like some or, other form. Or even like Jesus is a good moral teacher, but uh -huh. he's no savior. Like, Pattern your life off of him, you know, if you want to. Yeah, yeah there's lots of people who are opposing the message of Jesus died for your sins. And what that feels like, I mean, I've like, I've pastored teenagers for a long time. Yeah. And so I think what that feels like is just, it feels overwhelming. There's lots of people out there who are smarter than us, 
more mm. educated than us. I'm going to sit in their, I'm going to sit in one of their classrooms one day and learn from them as a professor. Right. They're going to tell me I can't trust the Bible, that Christianity was made up by a whole bunch of white, uh, not white guys, but a whole bunch of like, you know, <laughs> rich, rich men, rich men. Yeah. At some point in on the council of Nicaea. Right. And it's not worth following because Jesus, if he existed, most certainly didn't rise from the dead. Right. And most certainly isn't the son of God come down from heaven. And that's just going to feel overwhelming and hard yeah. to remain faithful in that circumstance. Yeah, definitely. And that's bad news. And that's bad news. Yeah. So and it's bad news not only because it's taking away or eroding your faith in Jesus that you mm-hmm. currently have. It's, it's building a kingdom, an empire that is opposed to the empire that the the, the kingdom that the Messiah, the anointed king, is trying to build, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah. he is the ruler, you know? And it's like, and we become inundated by all those voices in our culture that say that people don't rise from the dead. <laughs> like, Jesus' sacrifice for sin was just not necessary. Yeah, you know, on yeah. and on and on it goes. And it becomes increasingly difficult to grab the gospel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. John's audience here isn't is people who are worried about, they're, they're worried. Yeah. They're hearing all these false teachers. They may or may not be obsessed with some future antichrist figure. They're looking for some sort of explanatory detail that helps them in the middle of their persecution, mm. in the middle of their suffering, in the middle of the overwhelming feeling that every intellectual is out to get them. And then John comes in with good news, mm. which we haven't even talked about yet, but here we go. Okay, so you teased some good news. I want I want to hear it because yeah. <laughs> I'm sick of the antichrists, which I think we'll talk more about antichrists in our current day and the antichrist later in the episode. Yeah. But right now, let's do some really good news. Yeah, so John is recognizing how these people are feeling. Mm-hmm. And here's the first piece of good news we get is in 1 John 2, verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. You have been messiahed by mm. the Holy One, and yeah. you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Mm. So you have these people who know what's right. Most of us believe Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus came to the earth, and we're being questioned about that. We're, right. We can't answer all the questions being asked of us. And the good news there is like, okay, your inclusion in God's people isn't based on your ability to have all the answers to the skeptics and the anti-anointed ones out mm. there, but it's the fact that you've been anointed by the anointed one. Mm. The anti-anointed ones can do nothing against the anointed's anointed ones. Right, yes. Like You are in God. Yeah. He's baptized you. Right. You are part of his people. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, so look, look, look at this from a couple different ways just to drive home the point of, of what what John is doing here because it gets a little lost on us Uh just with the language issue. Right. So we talked about how like Israel's Kings were, you know, some of them were messiahs, right. They were anointed and they got messiahed, Mm -hmm. right. They got anointed in the same way. He's talking about Christ and antichrist, right. Uh, The anointed and the anti-anointed. And then he says, okay, so you are Christ's because you have been Christed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've, so Christos, Christened. right? Christos, yeah. you yeah. know, is the Christ. But then the 
you as the anointed are the chrismod. So it's not Christos, it's chrismod. Yeah. And it's like, you've been chrismod, you've been christened, you've been Christed. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, I, I almost want you to be a little bit offended by uh-huh. this idea that you've probably thought a little bit too, you've probably thought too little of yourself as a Christian in the sense of what Jesus has wrought in you. You know, that yeah. he has made you like him. Mm-hmm. You, and, and again, I don't want any angry letters. No. I'm not putting on the same no, plane. you're not. But you are a Christ. Uh-huh. You've been Christed. You are a new creation. It sounds wrong when I say it. So I, like. No, but, it's not. It's not because you've been anointed. Yes. He says it. Yes. You've been Christed. You, you've been Christed. <laughs> you've been anointed by, and like, again, the figure idea of a Messiah, uh-huh. for us to have been Messiah, historically, we're always people. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, right. It's not wrong for a human being to be messiahed. In fact, Jesus had to become human. We said this Dude. in order to be Christed. Right. In <laughs> order to words. be the Messiah, you have to be a human. Right. And Jesus as oh, the one so who good. comes down, is anointed in him, in his baptism, and then goes out and defeats the anti-anointed ones. Uh-huh. The, the anti-anointed ones threw everything they had on the cross at Jesus, right? That's right. Yep. They killed him. You right. can't do much better than killing somebody if you're an anti-anointed Right. Anti the anointed one. Right. And then Jesus, as the true anointed one, rose from the dead, proving he's more powerful than the anti anointed mm-hmm. ones. And then that Messiah, that anointed one, has Messiahed you as well. Right. And he's done it in the exact same way that he got Messiahed. <laughs> yes. Right. Because, like we said, Jesus wasn't anointed with oil. Right. And I know I'm, I'm probably skipping, I think, to point five of yours or something like yes, that yes, that you yes. have. But. Uh, he, he wasn't anointed with oil. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit came on him, mm-hmm. right? And that was the moment of his anointing. And that, John says here, is the exact same way we've been anointed. Not with oil. We've been anointed with the same Holy Spirit that Jesus has been anointed with. So, one, we have the same precondition as a ter- in terms of like a state um, that, that is needed to be an anointed one. We are humans, just like Jesus was. Yes. <laughs> just like every other Messiah was in Israel's history. We're yeah. humans. Check. Number two, we've been anointed the same way Jesus was by the Holy Spirit. So like we've been made little Christs, mm-hmm. Christians. Yes. That's what we call ourselves. Yeah, like Christ. We're little Christs. We're Christians. Yeah. yeah. We're cr- cr- the Christed. We are the right. anoint. I mean, that's what Christians mean is we're the anointed ones. Mm-hmm. We are the messiahs. That's what my name means too. Seth. Seth. That's right. Anyway. Anyway. Fun, just a little just flex. Throw that, throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> my parents call me the anointed one. No I mean, I'm King David. Let's well, be. Mean, <laughs> we can duke it out later. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So yes. So we have the Holy Spirit. Yes. That we have the anointing. Yeah. Inside of us. And in the same way, and so why this is encouraging, goes to 4-4 four, four again. Little children, you are from God. You have been messiahed. You are a new messiah by the anointing of God, and you have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Mm. The same way that Jesus conquered over the anti-messiah as the true messiah is going to be your story of resurrection victory as well. Yeah. They're going to come at you with everything they have. They're going to kill you. At, at their at their worst, they can kill you. Yeah. And do you know what happens when anti messiahs kill messiahs? We win. We win. Yeah. There's that's resurrection. Like, and I and that's probably closer to the the context than like some like gov- Facebook or whatever. It's like right. it's, that's yeah. not. It's like these people are going to kill Christians. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, well, when anti messiahs, anti anointed ones try to kill 
anointed ones, we rise from the dead. That's right. We've overcome the evil one. Yeah, and it's interesting that he's talking about the evil one here, both before mm-hmm. and after this. He's talking about the devil, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's it's interesting to kind of go back to... Oh, there's no mention of the evil one here, sorry. But he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, but right. yes. Yeah, I mean, that's yes. a reference to Satan. Yep. And then in chapter three, right after this, there's several more mentions of the devil. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. It, like, it talks about how he's been lying from the beginning, you know? And it's like, and what's a mark of the Antichrist? They're a liar. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to go back to... We the, know the truth. Yeah, to yeah. The, or even to go back to the Garden of Eden, though, and to be like, oh. this is the battle that's happened from the beginning. The anointed versus the anti-anointed, right? Eve's line was anointed. It was chosen that the Messiah would come from her line. And then the anti-anointed one was pitting them against each other, right? Mm-hmm. Why else would would John in the next chapter pick up on their children, Cain and Abel? Oh. And he pits them against each other and says, this has been happening. This I've... battle of Christ versus antichrist has been happening from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It is the story of God's people. God has always been rising up anointed messiahs to lead and save his people. And the anti-messiahs have been trying to kill them. And they've been against them. That has happened again and again and again throughout Israel's history. And it culminates on the cross when the antichrists killed the Christ. Mm-hmm. And we won. Yeah. And so what, what's left? We're still in the battle. The battle's still going on. We are surrounded by anti-anointed ones, people who are against us as the anointed ones. And what do we do? No matter what, no matter what they do to us, we will overcome. Not because we're proud and braggadocious, but by humbly loving one another like Jesus loved them, by dying for them. Because even when we die, we win. Which goes, which makes a little bit more sense of verse 25. And this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. Like, like he's he's pulling on this thread even here. I I kept like trying to make this a different point, mm. but it's the same point he's been make he just made. Like, if you've been anointed, if you've been messiahed like our Messiah Jesus, mm-hmm. your destination is the same. Right. If he abides in you, if what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what it mean, What happens when you abide in the Son and the Father? Eternal life. Yeah. You can't be overcome by the evil one by he who is in the world by anti-anointed ones because that battle's already been won that's right and the darkness is fading away and the light is dawning that's what john's been saying multiple times another thing we said earlier that just sounded like really good news was in the in the past in the old testament when someone was anointed right when mm-hmm. let's take king saul for example i think it's a great image king saul was a messiah he was anointed oil went on his head and marked him as god's anointed but didn't change his heart Right. In fact, he got oppressed by lying spirits, <laughs> right, uh, and was and failed as God's anointed. But what happens with the Holy Spirit being our anointing oil is it doesn't go on our head and roll off our backs and leave us unchanged. Instead, it enters into us, and the Holy Spirit changes our hearts and makes us live like anointed ones. Makes us live like good messiahs. Makes us live like Christ. Makes us be Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's good news. Is that when we are marked as God's anointed, we start to become like Him, and which He's going to talk about in in First yeah. John three. Uh, is and he's be, already talked about yes, about being right. like loving and that's saying right. no to the world. How do you like, know you are saved? How do you know that your faith is genuine if you love your brother? If you obey His commands? Because why? Because you've been marked, you've been anointed, not by oil, which rolls off your back, but by the Holy Spirit, which penetrates your soul. Yes. That's so cool. That's so cool. So 
why, what's good news in a world full of antichrists? That you have been made like Christ. Yeah. You have been messiahed. Yeah. And you are not only like overcoming like Jesus overcame, you'll push back that darkness as Jesus pushed it back too. Right. Yeah. What's, what's good news in a world full of those who are opposed to the anointed one mm-hmm. and want to tell you, don't believe in him. It's not true. It's not worth it. The, the, the answer, the good news isn't, well, here's a response to all of their critiques. Mm-hmm. No, the good news is that forget those critiques. You're anointed. Mm-hmm. Is like, how can, how can they disprove the anointed one when there's millions of anointed ones? It's happened. The Holy yeah. Spirit is on all of us. There's, how can they be against the Messiah when there's millions of messiahs? Uh, I remember, I'm thinking about, and the world is passing away, which uh-huh. we, we read last week, and thinking about if part of what it means to be a Messiah or to be messiahed by the Messiah is eternal life, necessarily those who do not have an eternal life will pass away. Right. Over time, those of eternal life will grow in numbers and in strength. The population of heaven and the new heavens is always increasing. Right. And the population of those who are anti God's people is always decreasing. Right. They don't have eternal life. God's kingdom is right. always winning. Right. The Messiah, the Messiah's kingdom is always advancing. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, anything else before we move on to antichrists? Again? Uh, yes. Okay. So one of the other had, things uh, that another piece of good news yeah. that John gives people who feel embattled by those who are anti the Messiah, anti Jesus is that you've been anointed by the Holy one and verse 20 of chapter two, you have all knowledge. Mm. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Mm. And I think this connects also to chapter four, where it talks about testing the spirits to see where they are from God. You have in order to test the spirits, to weigh the spirits, right. to not believe in the false spirits, is to know the, the true spirits. And I think why this is good news is what Jesus said to John hmm. in the upper room, in the same place he told him that you'll overcome the world. What did he tell him the Holy Spirit would do? He would teach him everything. Right. He would teach him everything that he commanded him and that he would mm. not forget it. He, and who, what, what, what does he call the Holy Spirit in First John four, or John fourteen? He says, "And I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to give you an, an advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth." Ah, uh, so like you have all truth because you have been anointed with the Spirit, because He's the Spirit of all truth. Yes. Yeah, that's good. And so, what's going to help you know? What's going to help you like figure out what's true and what's not? The Holy Spirit that I placed inside you have been praying, and that's Jesus right. Himself is praying. So, like, whenever there's a false teacher. Test it by what standard? By the word of God mm-hmm. and by the spirit within you. That's right. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Right. Well, and like truth too in First John is also shorthand for Jesus and the gospel. And to be a liar is to be against Jesus and his gospel. And so it's like you have all truth. Why? Because you have the gospel. What else do you need? Mm-hmm. You, know, you have Jesus is just another way to put it too. Yes. Uh, also just like a ra- random thing. Yeah. I don't want to open up a can of worms, but it's just cool right. to be like, if we are Messiah kings, in a sense, right, uh, part of the job of the Messiah kings, uh, based on Deuteronomy, was to know all truth, was to study the law, to know good from evil, right, to test the spirits. Like, that was part of the Deuteron- Deuteronomic mm-hmm. king's job, Yes, was to be a good Messiah, was to know good from evil, to test the spirits. And to just to double down that point, we mentioned this in our prep for this, but like... Moses is called a prophet. Right. 
Abraham is called a prophet. And Abraham, apart from maybe Adam, is the first person God promises to make a people out of. Mm -hmm. And one of the commands that Moses taught us was to discern true from false prophets, true from false people speaking of salvation. And so I think it's interesting that we talked about the battle between Antichrist and Christ goes back to the garden. Mm. God's people have always been defined by the ability to discern between true and false yes. prophecy, true right. and false revelations of who God is and what he's up to in the world. Mm. So it's like, don't be discouraged that you have so many people claiming that Jesus is the Christ. This is actually the battle that God's people have been engaged in from the beginning. It's proof positive that the battle exists. Yes. yes. You're not crazy. Yeah. God's on the move. <laughs> You're in the biblical story. <laughs> you are in the biblical story. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And I think the final piece, of, it's a, you know, that's thing. all truth. Yeah, it's all truth. Yep. Uh, and then here is the last piece, which is kind of confusing. So I want to make sure we mention it. Okay. But um, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. We've talked about that. Verse five. They, the Antichrists, mm-hmm. are from the world, and therefore they speak from the world, mm. and the world listens to them. How do you know somebody who's anti-the Messiah is an anti-Messiah? Well, because they're repeating the narratives of the world, right? and they're going to speak like the world speaks, and who's going to listen to them? But everybody else in the world that are giving into the, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, right. and the pride of life. But we are from God. So you have, so and who's we again? The apostles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, the apostles, are from God. We have touched and seen and felt and saw and heard Jesus. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this we know the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. What's one other piece of good news for people who are overwhelmed by the anti, the antichrist message against us? Hmm. Is that we're connected to the eyewitness testimony of somebody that saw Jesus speak, hmm. teach, heal, and rise from the dead. Right. Like, wh- like, why is that good news? Because we have a historical reality <laughs> that I saw right. and is real. Yeah. Don't be, we've overcome the world. And if you don't, can't buy that yet, remember I saw Jesus's dead body right. and then I saw his living body. <laughs> I love it. It's like really good news that we have an inner witness in the Holy Spirit. That's really good news. Yeah. Because without it, we wouldn't believe the outer witness, right? But it, sometimes it's also really good news that we don't just have an inner witness, but we also have objective reality to deal with where it's like there is an empty tomb. Mm-hmm. There are non-Christian historical reports of Jesus rising from the dead. The world has to deal with those. But as Christians, we get to be comforted by those eyewitness testimony, people connected to the historical Jesus. That's yeah. good. That's good news. It is good news. Yep. And I, I think I forget who's somebody said it but they said talked about how christianity is the world's only falsifiable religion that's right it's the only falsifiable religion every other religion in the world um relies on the private thoughts right of one of their spiritual leaders god yep. spoke to them in a dream in a vision you'll never be able to prove that god didn't show up on mount sinai in the exodus story mm-hmm. that's not falsifiable right right but it could be falsifiable to find jesus's body Yes. If you found Jesus' body, Christianity's fake. Yes. But you can't. You can't. He is risen. <laughs> like and that's good news. That's good news. Yeah. That's good news. Okay. All right. Two last things as we close down. And I think we might do a special episode on identifying false teachers mm. or something. So we Maybe we, we already have. Maybe we already've done it. But I do want to bring it up here where it's like, okay, kind of like a now what? Mm-hmm. We we've kind of we've we've laid out how maybe John's audience saw the Antichrists, but really how the main point is not the Antichrist. The main point is 
like clinging to the Christ and that we are the anointed ones, you know, and all of that that we've talked about. But I think people might li listening might still be like, okay, but two questions. One, how, how do I, or should I identify these plural antichrists in my life? And two, what about the capital A antichrist? Do I still need to be worried about him or what's going on there? I think those are like the, the last two kind of dangling things. Well, how do we know who are the plural antichrist? Mm -hmm. Well, who has went out from the church and is denying the apostolic teaching of the apostles. Yep. Who is denying that Jesus is in Christ, is the Christ, and who are who is refusing to love their brothers, mm. and who does the world listen to? Like we've been given a ton of like things that we've already talked about. Right. They're denying that Jesus is the Christ. They've left the church and denying its teachings, and they don't love people very well, and they, um, but I just, the last thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, then, if it, if they're somewhat easy to identify, mm -hmm. uh, what do we do with them? What what would John say? We well, do with them. Well, it's interesting. He doesn't tell us to rise up and kill them, or no. <laughs> to legislate against them, or to write Facebook posts about them. No, he tells us to remember that we have overcome the world. Mm. Like that's the message. Like you've been anointed by somebody more powerful than those people out there, and you will overcome them. Yeah, there is like a, a kind of a defensive posture, I feel like, in the church we take against those that we label as antichrists yeah. or those who are just opposed to the church. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, they're big and strong and we're weak and have to submit and, you know, we need to rise up and lash mm -hmm. out. And it's like, no, you're in the winning position. Uh huh. They are passing away. They're fading fast and falling. You are rising up and succeeding. The light is dawning. The darkness is already passing away. So continue to rise, like continue yeah. to remember who you are as God's anointed one, like lean into that calling, not necessarily yeah. go trample the halls of the antichrists, you know, yeah. uh, not to say we shouldn't defend our faith and all that kind of stuff, but we don't need a victim mentality. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Christians are on the side of the winning team. That's right. We're not victims. We are never victims. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are always victors. <laughs> uh, at least in this sense. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, all, I mean, yeah, always yeah. even in death, we have victory. Mm. Uh, so anyway, uh, okay. Then, um, just, I, I said off air during the break that I was like, there's one last thing I have to personally circle back around to just because I think we've left who is the capital A antichrist kind of unsaid. Yeah. And even some of the ways we've talked about it have kind of just played into the hand of how most people probably think about the antichrist yes. as this in times mega figure who maybe he's political but he has a lot of power and he's coming at the end time and then Jesus will show up and conquer him. Yes. It's like this picture a lot of us have uh -huh. and um, I don't necessarily want to get into all the logistics of that because one that might not be who John is talking about here because right. you would have to and I and I'll, I mean, I'll show my cards. Seth is undecided. I am undecided. I'm, I'm, I'm like 70-30 uh, that the Antichrist talking about here is connected to the man of lawlessness in Thessalonians, the abomination of desolation that Jesus talks about in Matthew and Mark, and the beast in Revelation. Um, I do think that the abomina abomination of desolation, the man of lawlessness, and the beast are one and the same person. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe the Antichrist could be included in that. Yeah. Uh, but maybe the Antichrist is an unknown category that we just... 
that was yeah. known to the Johannine community of the first century, but we just don't have a category for anymore. It was maybe it was like an epithet, like a yeah. historical epithet. Right. That guy, he's the Antichrist. Right. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I do want to bring up this, let's call it the beast or uh-huh. the man of lawlessness or the abomination of desolation, this end times figure that we have in our head that has reductionistically now been called in shorthand the Antichrist. Um, a, a, a few things. Uh, or maybe maybe just one basic yeah. thing is uh, it's my opinion and the opinion of a lot of biblical scholars, uh, especially conservative biblical scholars, evangelical yeah. biblical scholars, yeah. um, and, and particularly non-dispensational ones, if you know that term, yeah. uh, that this figure has already arrived on the on history's scene, that the New Testament writers were not talking about some person that was going to come 2,000 years later looking forward to Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin or someone like that uh, or Nikolai Carpathia, you know, they were looking to their immediate future, which is why so many times, pretty much every time when this figure is mentioned, even here in John with the Antichrist, this idea of immediacy is also mentioned. The last hour, the day is coming, the time is near. Jesus Jesus seemed to think that there was going to be an imminence Right. to the abomination of desolation setting up in the, the temple. the last days as just like any time before the last thing that Jesus does when he returns. That's right. But perhaps maybe we should take Jesus a little more literally when he says last days, that he means like it's quickly it's coming. It's really to. soon. And he even yeah. said that some of the ge- some of this generation is still going to be alive when it happens. Yeah. Well, obviously, if it's Jesus coming at the end of time, uh, they're all dead, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, many, a vast, vast many of biblical scholars, myself included, not that I'm a biblical scholar, but that I agree with them, is that this figure is the Roman emperor Nero, who died in AD 68. Uh, he, He came to power as Caesar at the age of 17, reigned for, I think, 14, 15 years, and and then committed suicide uh, at the age of 31. So whatever that that rain time is. Uh, And he was a psychopath, an absolute sociopath. He, um, he persecuted Christians. He burned huge parts of Rome down and then blamed the Christians. And there's like historical records about this. Um, I, I even recently heard that uh, a historical record about Nero that he would set up these gruesome theaters, kind of like the Colosseum where he would tie men and women to posts naked then he himself the emperor would dress up in beasts clothes like skins of animals and maul their genitals that's crazy i mean he was a psychopath yeah absolutely a crazy person um and and it's because of his failing as a roman emperor mm-hmm. that uh, that so many things happened um and that people hated the 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 christians and since christians were born out of judaism mm-hmm. they hated the jews yeah and so then 2 years after his death in 8070 the temple was destroyed yeah and so um that and that for the jewish person and for christians who grew out of the jewish religion that would be the end of the world yeah the destruction of the temple and is the end of the world think about how everything that we've said about Antichrist plural still applies to that situation. That's right. It's like, if that's the case, then the good news is the same. Mm. You have been anointed by somebody who's stronger than death. And the worst Nero can do is kill you. Right. 
He can torture you on the way down. Right. But you have overcome the evil one. Even that kind of evil. Like. Even that great and powerful evil. He's not going to win. That regime is passing away. Yes. Yeah. It's it's good news regardless. And even if you're sitting here listening and saying, well, no, I'm still holding out for a big bad figure at the end of Fine. time. Fine. Man, like, <laughs> I, I, I think I can get there with you too. But it's like. The Antichrist is not the thing to focus on right. in the story of the Bible. No. The story of the the Bible tells us that the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, wins. Yes. He overcomes the evil one. Right. He makes us messiahs along with him to destroy the mm. works of the evil one. He deputizes us, fills us with his Holy Spirit to push back that type of darkness. Mm. It's like we're not like... Who, whoever the Antichrists are, whether they're the ex-evangelicals, Nero, or... Something in the future. Something in the future. We the win. Yeah, we win. We win. Yeah. Like, that's the good news. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the bad news is still the same. That there are anti-anointed ones yes. all around us. But the good news stands that we win. Yeah. And that we win because of Christ. Because of the anointed one. Because he's anointed us. Uh, so, yeah. I just want to make sure we close the book on... But what about the Antichrist? And what about the Antichrist? And it's like, mm-hmm. that's not the main point for John. Yeah. Uh, the main point is what we've said. And again, like he even refers to him, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Uh-huh. There is a spiritual, eternal reality that we pushed all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's right. That is at work in the world. Yep. And that spiritual reality of those that are anti the anointed one of God will come to an end. Right. That's the story of the Bible, that the, the, the seed of the snake, the seed of the anti-anointed one is always crushed by Jesus. Yeah, and his anointed ones. On the cross, yep. right now as we live, and then when he finally returns. Yeah. The snake loses. Yeah, that's that's good news. That's really good news. Well, whoo. Okay, for those of you still listening, uh, thank you for sticking with us through this episode. Uh, give us grace on a couple of items here they're just hot topics yep one who's the antichrist just it's just what i've studied my opinion if you disagree that's fine i love you and it's and the p- important thing is jesus wins <laughs> jesus wins is the important yeah. thing number two is i just want to reiterate like i don't want anyone walk away walking away from this offended by me pointing out that anointed ones is christ and like saying like we're little christs or anything like that that I'm not meaning any kind of sacrilege or putting ourselves on any kind of plane with Jesus. I've I've written about us being little gods and stuff in the uh, garden before and gotten uh, some nasty emails. And yeah. so I don't want nasty emails. We're not God. We're not yeah. Jesus. We are being made in his image. We're co-heirs. These are, this is all biblical language. Yeah. So just two last things for those who have stuck through to David's the end. David's conscience has been appeased. <laughs> but seriously, it's not guys, often yeah. that I hear David hedging <laughs> his words. So this is a big moment it's for big me, moment. for our audience. This is, this is big. David has been tempered by nasty emails in the past. It's true. I have been. So, but thank you all so much for listening. We hope this has been helpful and we'll see you next week as we continue in First John. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.